Hello, and welcome back to Plantopia. Plantopia is the plant health podcast produced by the American Phytopathological Society. And I'm your host, Jim Bradeen. I'm a professor of plant pathology and associate vice president at Colorado State University. And today it is my distinct privilege to talk with one of my colleagues at Colorado State University, Professor Jan Leach. Jan is a university distinguished professor of plant pathology and also serves as the Associate Dean for Research in the CSU College of Agricultural Sciences. And, and Jan has a very long and, and significant list of impacts in the field of plant pathology. With apologies to Jan and our listeners, I'm going to take a few moments to share a rather lengthy bio for Jan that highlights um, some of the impacts that she's had. So Jan earned her undergraduate and master's degree in microbiology from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and a PhD in plant pathology from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And she then postdoc at the East Malling Research Station in the UK before joining the faculty at Kansas State in 1984. And Jan rose to the rank of full professor in 1995. While at Kansas State, Jan became very widely recognized for her groundbreaking research on Xanthomonas arisei, Pathovar arisei, the, the causal agent of bacterial blight on rice. And following a stint at the International Rice Research Institute in the Philippines, Jan joined the faculty in the Department of Agricultural Biology at Colorado State University in 2004, and she has served as the Associate Dean for Research since 2015. So Jan has earned numerous significant awards throughout her career, and I'm going to name just a few of those. Jan holds the title of University Distinguished Professor at CSU, and she's also a fellow of the American Phytopathological Society, the American Academy of Microbiology, and the American Association of the Advancement of Science. In 2020, Jan was awarded the Award of Distinction from the American Phytopathological Society, and, and this award is the highest honor that APS bestows it's only presented on rare occasions to recognize truly exceptional contributions to plant pathology. And uh, most recently in 2021, Jan was elected to the National Academy of Sciences. And there, there are actually many other awards that we just don't have time to mention. Jan's research contributions in our field are nearly legendary. She was the first to describe tall effectors in Xanthomonas arisei. She's led research in the area of R gene, AVR gene interactions. Um, this is research that's been important to understanding the basis of our gene durability. And Jan, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're widely credited with coining the term phytobio, which captures the many micro and macrobiotic interactions with plants. And today, Jan's lab focuses on how plants respond to both biotic and combined biotic abiotic stresses with an emphasis on bacterial pathogens of plants. Her group also studies microbiome-mediated interactions between the Russian wheat aphid and host plants. Jan is a very effective and generous student and postdoc mentor, and she has trained uh, several dozen mentees, has been a, a strong advocate for women in our field, uh, something that we'll talk about in just a moment. And Jan has contributed through important service activities to our discipline. She served for 16 years on the APS Public Policy Board, and during that time, led the launch of the Phytobiomes Initiative. Uh, she served as editor-in-chief of the APS journal Molecular Plant Microbe Interactions. She uh, was a longtime co-editor of the Annual Review of Phytopathology. 
And get this, Jan is the only individual who has served as president of the International Society for Molecular Plant Microbe Interactions, the American Phytopathological Society, and the International Society for Plant Pathology. Specifically, Jan led ISMPMI from 1999 to 2001, APS from 2006 to 2007, and she is the current president of ISPP uh, since 2018. And I'm only highlighting a very few of the many, many contributions that Jan has made to our field through her groundbreaking research and extensive leadership. Jan, thank you so much for being on Plantopia. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Unfortunately, I took so much time highlighting your bio. We're out of time. So so thank you for being our guest today. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> No, it's, it's always a pleasure to to chat with you, and we really do appreciate this opportunity to to highlight somebody of your your caliber and impact in our field. And I want to start off today um, with a question I often ask on Plantopia: Why plant pathology? How, how did you get into this field? How did you discover plant pathology, and how did you end up where you're at today? So it's many years ago because I I've been around for a while, but I, as you said, I did my degrees in microbiology. And in order to earn money to go to school, I worked in the plant pathology department at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln with Jim Stedman and Ann Vitiver. And I got enthralled by the research that they were doing and how I could apply my microbiology. So back in my era, if you were a microbiologist and you were a woman, the path that they mainly sent you down was either to be a um, lab technician, sort of a, a diagnostic technician in a human medical lab, or a nurse. And those are great professions, but they weren't really what I wanted to do. So it was really interesting when I worked with Jim and Anne that they would say to me, well, you could do so much more. You could become you know, a leader in the field of plant pathology, you could go out into the field and do research and ask questions and not just take orders from other people. <laughs> and so I got really excited about those opportunities. And that was what really drove me into the field is my undergraduate research experience. So it sounds like mentors have been a really key part of your, your own professional development. Are there other uh, folks that have played key mentoring roles? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, Jim and Ann were wonderful because they brought different perspectives to the table and they sent me in different directions. And I'll never forget, Jim Stedman said to me, well, if you want to go into plant pathology, you can either go to two different places and work with two different people. And I ended up choosing Wisconsin, working with Luis Sequeira, who had been Jim's advisor, as a matter of fact. Uh, and Luis was an amazing advisor. He was not a micromanager. He gave you a problem, and he was there when you needed him to ask questions, but he would help, you know, whenever he could, but he definitely didn't micromanage. He said, you know, this is your problem, and you're here to solve it. And then Arthur Kelman, who I'm sure many of you don't know because he passed away many years ago, but he was a wonderful personal mentor. When my father passed away while I was a graduate student, Arthur stopped me in the hall one day and said, Jan, how are you? And I flippantly said, oh, I'm fine. He said, no, Jan, how are you? So he was just a very caring person. And, you know, through my career, I've had the advantage of having not only personal mentors, but also scientific mentors that were really great. That's wonderful. It's um, 
mentors really have big impact in many small and big ways as well. And much of your career has is really focused on international agriculture. Where did that interest come from, and where has it taken you over the years? Yeah, I w- I'm a kid from Nebraska, born and raised in Lincoln, and I never had been outside the United States. And so when I finished my PhD, I had the great fortune of being offered a postdoctoral fellowship at the East Malling Research Station in Britain, which was funded by Guinness Beer and the Hops Marketing Board. And for a kid from Nebraska who had never been outside the United States, actually, I don't like beer. I prefer wine. To take a beer fellowship was uh, amazing. And it was an opportunity that I'd never had before. I got, first of all, I lived in a country where I wasn't a native, and they used to tease me that Americans hadn't spoken English for 200 years. So my language problems were there. I was able to interact with growers, hop producers. I had never done that before. That was really exciting. And then also the industry, the beer producing industry. So it was good. It taught me that I could stand on my own two feet and be a scientist. I made great friends who still remain friends to this day. And that was an exciting experience. That was my first taste of the international world. And then when I was offered the position at Kansas State University, I was told that At that time, we were called disease physiologists. As a physiologist, I could choose my system. And so I thought to myself, I want to work on an important problem and in an important crop. And so I set out to my mentors and said, okay, if you were starting over again, what would you work on? And Luis said to me, he would work on cigatoka in banana. Or he said I would work on rice bacterial blight, which to me was really appealing because I'm a microbiologist, I'm a bacterial person. So I got my important problem and I thought, well, is it genetically tractable? Because I knew I needed to make progress in it. And uh, I thought, well, bacteria, xanthomonas, it should be genetically tractable. No one had really done any genetics in it at the time. And then rice is a diploid. It's not a hexaploid like wheat. And my brain could handle it, diploid, but not a hexaploid. So I started down that path, which, of course, meant I was going to be working largely outside the United States. So that kind of set me down the path. I contacted folks at the International Rice Research Institute and said, if I wanted to work on this problem, would you collaborate with me? And I was lucky because the director of plant pathology at the time, Tom Yao, walked down the hall to a former classmate of mine from Wisconsin, Hei Lung, and said, do you know this Jan Leach person? Should we collaborate with her? And Hay said, yes, and it's all history. And what uh, what have you found to be the, the most satisfying aspect of your international research? The most satisfying aspect is that the research has been able to have an impact, I think. And also, I've made such wonderful connections and collaborators. And through those connections and collaborators, I've been able to help connect my students and other students in our department and in other departments to people. So it's built up quite a team of researchers around the world. And, you know, it's just, it's so wonderful to think that if I had a question about something in China or the Philippines or Japan, I have contacts I can call and ask and get an answer very quickly. When I think about your career and your impact, 
well, many things come to mind, but that network of folks across the globe with whom you've worked, with whom you've supported, that really is front and center. In my mind, I think that's something you've done exceptionally well. And you talked about the importance of mentors in your own professional development. Could you talk a little bit about your uh, approach to mentoring students or postdocs or, or other colleagues, and particularly uh, women that are are working in your group? You know, I'm sure those of you who are parents understand that every single person is different and requires a different style of mentoring. And that was hard for me to learn because when when we were trained, and I'm sure it's still true, we were not trained in how to mentor people or how to teach them. And so I think a lot of it comes from your heart. You know, these are people, these are your, going to be your colleagues in the future. You need to help them succeed and do the best they can. And in particular, the female students that I've had, things have shifted a bit. But early on, there was a lack of confidence and this old syndrome of, well, I don't really belong here. And so I think a lot of what we need to do in mentoring is to help our students and our postdocs and our young faculty colleagues develop the confidence that I do belong here, I know my stuff, and I can make a difference if I just apply myself I always tell my students, I'm your cheerleader. I'm here to make sure that you succeed. And I succeed if my students come out better than me, which is easy to do. <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic philosophy. And in, in, um, something you, you said a moment ago really definitely rings true in my experience, that the fact that, that we all need different approaches. We need different things from our, our mentors. And it's sometimes hard to even know what that is, both for the, the mentor and the mentee. I often comment that I, for my former grad students, I, I think I have them all figured out exactly what they need uh, the day after they graduate. <laughs> so that's a real skill set that, that I think um, you know, our profession really needs. And, and thank you for all of your work in demonstrating what good mentorship really does look like in, in the field of plant pathology. Um, I want to turn a, a bit to your research. There are actually so many aspects to your research impacts that I don't really know where to begin here. I guess first I want to acknowledge that you've really, your career has really spanned both the pathogen side and the plant side of plant pathology. And I think that's really noteworthy. It's something many of us strive to do. And I think relatively few of us actually ever accomplished. When you think about the research that you've done over the years, what stands out to you as, as something that you're especially proud of? Yeah, I'm especially proud of the fact that we were able to tie the the plant response to the pathogen virulence and avirulence effectors together. Because when I started out, most people were either working on the plant or on the pathogen. And I was sort of at the beginning of that push. Luis and other folks had started it to say, we need to think of this as a system. We can't just think of it as, you know, how does a plant respond to a protein from a bacteria? So I think that that has been the most satisfying part of the job is to see the interplay and the interaction of those organisms. But what I had to take a path that I wasn't ready to take. I was trained more in physiology and biochemistry, but I had to get more and more involved in genetics. Once we started thinking about sort of broad spectrum resistance, how do you get resistance to multiple pathogens? 
I had to start thinking in terms of quantitative genetics. And that was a real stretch for my brain to move in that direction. But yet it's really one of the more satisfying things that we've done is we've begun to help to understand how plants can be resistant to multiple pathogens at the same time and what are the genes that are involved in that. And I really um, am thrilled by where our research is now. I'm frustrated by the fact that I won't have enough time to get to the answers, but I guess we never do, do we? <laughs> I see so many questions opening up now that I would love to go down those different paths, and I just I don't have the bandwidth or the time in my career to do that. So there's so much more to know. <laughs> good, good science always results in more questions than answers. Yeah, and so I think we we can relate to what you're describing. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question that's um, sort of a personal interest to mine. As, as I've moved more into to administration, I, I find I have less and less time, less and less bandwidth to focus on my research interests. And you, you've been in the role of uh, associate dean for research for a number of years now, and you have shown no signs of slowing down as a scholar. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I have good people. I mean, that's the secret of all of us, right, is to hire excellent scientists for graduate students and postdocs and good lab managers. They're, they're worth their weight in gold. Plus, I have a sympathetic dean who allows me to be 40% in the dean's office and 60% in research. But, you know, as a research associate dean, I think my credibility stands on the fact that I can say I know what it takes to write a grant. I know what it takes to write a paper. I know what it takes to train a cohort of students and postdocs. So I think it gives me some credibility with the faculty when I, you know, say to them, hey, let's get busy and write some more grants and think about new experiments down the road to do and new collaborations. I, I hope they see it as credibility. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Um, can you walk us through a, a day of an associate dean for research? Oh, meeting, meeting, meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so I started yesterday at 5 a.m. in the morning with a, a call with the International Society of Plant Pathology Executive Committee, which is in five different countries, and then uh, drove to work. And started with, I'm chairing a search committee right now for the department head for another department. And then also I deal with, for example, I have a small grants program that I run. So I've got the proposals I now need to review and read and, and send them out for other people for review. I deal with, in some cases, when um, a PI is having issues with other PIs, their co-PIs or those are the hard things for me, the interpersonal issues to deal with. And then I get to have a lab meeting <laughs> with my group and understand hear what exciting science. You know, I live vicariously now through my students and postdocs because I only get to do research through them. And I am a co-PI on some large grants. And so we have these leadership meetings amongst the team leaders of the grant. So, yeah, it's a... It's an interesting day. I go home tired. Yeah, really, really impactful, incredible work. Um, thank you so much for what you do. It's important to our college, to uh, CSU, and, and certainly to the, the discipline of plant pathology. So please know that, that we appreciate your, your efforts. And um, 
thank you for helping us understand what the scope of your your day looks like. And a little embarrassing maybe to go to the next line of questions, but <laughs> I wanted to know a, a bit more about your philosophy and approach to leadership and and uh, especially volunteerism. Um, you you've done so much outside of the classroom, outside of the laboratory, outside of your institution to support our discipline. Why did you get involved in APS, APS Leadership, and the uh, International Society for Plant Pathology? Yeah, and you know, it started with editorships for the journals. I was associated, I went through the editor chain of events on MPMI. In the old days, in, the, in APS, as an editor-in-chief, you were on council. Now, that's changed in the last many years. So that sort of set me into the, the room with all the leaders in our profession. And it, it was fascinating to watch the discussions that they were having and to think about the impact that they were going to have on my career down the road. So, for example, I remember sitting in the room when they were talking about starting journals or adding on to the building uh, where headquarters was. And if you think about the wisdom of those people and how their decisions have made our society stable for many, many years, whereas that is not necessarily true for other scientific societies, we've had some great leaders who made decisions, the right decisions on, should we start a new journal? Should we change the way we run our meetings? How should we run our publishing house? So... That was exciting. And then once you get sucked in, you get sucked in. (laughs) And so then I went in through the leadership team and also through the public policy board, which was, again, a fascinating experience because it showed me the importance of us having a voice as scientists, as people who understand the needs of the farmers and the needs of the research community and taking that message to Washington and helping them formulate legislation, which we did. The microbial genome sequencing was an APS public policy board-led effort. So we worked as a team and we were mentored at that time by Kelly Eversole, who was the lead of of the agency that we worked with, that when we go to Washington, we don't only pitch plant pathology or plant health. We pitch agriculture in general on that broader platform and then inform them of why plant health or plant pathology is important. So I learned so much by doing these volunteer roles. And all of this was applicable to how I run my lab. I mean, the lessons I learned in hurting council members as president (laughs) It's the same thing I use in my lab meetings. So <laughs> I think it's a win-win situation to volunteer. Plus, you get to know so many people and you get to learn about why and how things are done so that you, you have a better picture of why you're, why you're doing what you're doing and where you're, why you're going where you're going. That makes perfect sense. And it begs the question, what, what advice do you have for early career professionals who Maybe you've been to an APS meeting. Maybe they've heard about APS. Um, how can they get involved in, in APS leadership through volunteer opportunities? Yeah, that's an important question. They need to do that, but they need to do it gently and carefully. They don't need to rush in to a lot of things at once. They should start with some of the, the subject matter committees 
I started out in the bacteriology committee too, because those give you a taste and they're important committees because they help influence what's going to be on the agenda for the meetings, or you help pull together literature and colleagues together to, to discuss important issues. So I would recommend that an early career professional go baby steps because you're balancing a lot on your plate as an early career professional and you cannot, you can only do so much. <laughs> you need to be very careful in how you spend your time. You have to sleep. Excellent advice. And uh, one's career is really a marathon, not a sprint. And I think your advice is spot on. Now, you're also very involved in ISPP, the International Society for Plant Pathology. In fact, you're the current president of, of that. Uh, what, what's new with ISPP? Yeah, the International Society of Plant Pathology is an umbrella society, just to give a little description for people who aren't familiar with it. So our society is comprised of over 60 individual societies which means that all of their members are by default members of ISPP. So you are a member of ISPP because APS is a member of ISPP. So the way we interact is quite different than APS, which is, is more almost more one-on-one -on -one down to the person. And we work more with the societies themselves. So it's been a very different experience for me. It's it's a different way of thinking and doing. We publish a journal. It's the Journal of Food Security, and it's a more interdisciplinary journal. But we also have a subject matter committees, and people from all over the world participate in those subject matter committees. It's been an exciting experience because I had now learned how different societies do the same things that APS does, but at a different scale or for different audiences. We're working with the Polish society, for example, to help uh, foster Ukrainian refugees who are plant pathologists. And we've actually got a resiliency fund that's helping to support these scientists. So it's a different scale of activity than being a president of APS. And does ISPP have a recurring conference? We do. Every five years. It will, it's changing to every four years after this year. So our conference is this year in Lyon, France, in August. And I expect to see you all there. You just fly from the APS meeting in Denver directly to Lyon, France. <laughs> and that, that's the International Congress for Plant Pathology, right? Yes, which is being organized by the French Society for Plant Pathology. They are the hosts, like we were the hosts in Boston. APS was the host for the meeting in Boston. But the French societies and their international planning committee are putting together an excellent program. And the registration is open and abstracts are due by February 15th. Yep. And that meeting is uh, August 20th through the 25th in yes. Lyon. Yes. And Lyon has great food. <laughs> you got to go there recently, as I, as I recall. Yes, I went to tour the convention center. It's a beautiful convention center and easy access. I think uh, folks will really enjoy the meeting. Great. Uh, certainly looking forward to that. And Jan, I, I want to end on, on sort of a softball question, I guess. <laughs> when you think about our discipline, the arc of our discipline, how it's changed over the years, 
and uh, the, the current state of global affairs, so the, the various global challenges that we all share, what do you think the future holds and what will plant pathology look like in 10 or 20 or, or 50 years? You know, one of the things that I'm heartened by is that in the future, to solve problems, we're going to have to have bring diverse skill sets together. And I don't know of any profession more than plant pathology where we've already been doing that. We've had to do that. We've had to have epidemiologists. We've had to have computational scientists. We've always had to bring different disciplines to the table because we recognized from the very beginning that solving plant health issues is complex. So I think in that regard, because we know how to collaborate, we know how to work with other kinds of scientists, plant pathology will be leaders in the field of, of plant health into the future and agriculture into the future. What I do worry about is that you know, it's wonderful to have interdisciplinary training. But what I worry about is that we lose some of the needed expertise in areas like mycology or nematology. We don't have the depth of expertise because we're broad. And, and I'm an example of someone who is really broadly trained. I've always had this concern that I, I don't know the subject matter deep enough. And I think that's something that we need to be very careful of. We need to know our system well in order to solve the problems. Like I remember, was it Barbara McClintock that said you need to have a feeling for the organism? And I think we need to have that and maintain this breadth. So the challenges for our future scientists, future plant pathologists are much greater, I think, than even you and I face. And I can't help but wonder if that breadth versus depth um, is really a pendulum that, that swings over time. And uh, there, there certainly has been this push for more interdisciplinary perspectives in, in science to, to many positive impacts. But yeah, at some point, maybe we do reach this tipping point where you are eroding those the, the depth of knowledge in particular systems. And it's harder to keep that depth of knowledge there because everything is moving so fast. Mm, very interesting. Well, well I, I certainly share your perspective that plant pathology is um, really well positioned to, to continue to evolve and meet challenges. It'll be very interesting to see where, where we end up in 10 or 20 or 50 years. We'll see where your podcast is in 10, in 10 20 years. Yes, we'll be on, we'll, we'll be on episode uh, or season 12, I think, of, <laughs> by then. So, <laughs> Jan, is there anything else you want our listeners to, to know? No, I think I've covered about everything. I think I've had a, an amazing career. And it, because I have had wonderful people to work with, not only students, postdocs, and lab managers, but mentors, colleagues, it, it both institutions that I've served at. So I think one piece of advice I've always given my students is look at the person across the bench from you and talk to them because someday they may be not only become your long-lasting collaborator, but they also may become your spouse. <laughs> uh, w w well spoken. <laughs> and and they're, they're the personal story there. So um, <laughs> you, you want to know more about that? Maybe meet up with Jan um, <laughs> at uh, ISPB in, in Lyon, and, and uh, she'll tell you all about that. Jan, it's always a pleasure to to talk with you. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for taking time to be a guest here on Plantopia. 
My pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much. So we just heard from Professor Jan Leach. Jan is a university distinguished professor of plant pathology at Colorado State University. And I'm Jim Bradeen, the host of Plantopia. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.